Hey guys, it is an honor, a joy, and a great pleasure to be able to connect with you on a weekly basis, to listen, to learn, and to grow. My mission is to help you break free from the old, those old mindsets, mental constructs, paradigms, strongholds, whatever it is, whatever's keeping you from your fullest potential, whatever's keeping you from that point B in your life that you have envisioned with great expectation. Let me tell you, you're not here by coincidence. (laughs) This is not an accident. You are here because this is part of a master plan. It's a what I like to call a God incidence. (laughs) And I hope and pray that after you've listened to today's episode, that you will have more clarity, a greater direction for your life. As you already know, if you're a returning listener or a subscriber, I love to incorporate psychology, biology, theology, and spirituality into each and every one of the episodes. If you are a subscriber, I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for your following. I truly count it an honor, and uh, and I know that you have so many choices to pick from as far as podcasts are concerned, and the fact that you've chosen Recalibrate really fills my heart with great joy. Thank you, thank you, thank you for that. If this is your very first time, I hope that you get more than you expect and that you will gain more clarity, a greater vision for your life. I hope that you would conclude this episode with greater peace in your heart and in your mind. And when you happen to experience breakthrough in your life, would you take a few minutes to leave a comment? It really helps other people connect with this podcast. I want to read one of the uh, comments that I recently received from Kay Arreola. Uh, This was after... She heard the Be My Valentine episode, which was the one uh, previous to this one. She wrote, thank you so much for this beautiful message. I've played it twice and about to hear it again. It really hit home. I loved it so much that I'm going to share this with my son and ask my husband to hear this as well. I hear all your podcasts and I am blessed to come across such beautiful and touching messages. I'm always excited to hear all of your topics. Keep up your excellent work. God bless you. Wow. Thank you so much for those positive and uplifting words. Let me tell you, they make my day and they fuel my passion to continue doing what I know beyond a shot of a doubt that God has called me to do. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I like to start by saying that every marriage is savable. You just need two people who are willing to work at it, okay? Mike, Amy, I want you to look at each other and say three things that you like about each other. Mike. Can I go second? Okay, yeah, sure. Uh, Amy? Okay, uh, Mike, I like that you gave me my children. Uh, I like that you pick them up from school sometimes. It's actually really helpful. And um, I, I like that you came to therapy today. Okay, Mike, your turn. Okay. I like your spaghetti. And you make pretty good calzone. Was that three? That, that was like one and then one A. You know what? Um, let's try some uh, role playing. All right, Amy, I want you to pretend to be Mike. 
And Mike, I want you to pretend to be Amy. Okay? And now I just want you to uh, just tell me about your day. Hi, I'm Amy. All I did today was, like, rub lotion on my face and talk to talk to talk to talk. Okay. Um, Amy, would you like to? Yes, I would. Hey, I'm Mike. Um, my life is awesome because my wife takes care of everything in the world for me. This is the problem. Here's the bottom line. She's a perfectionist. Mike, I... I don't love you anymore. I'm so sorry, but I just don't. I'm so sick and tired of pretending like I do. That is exactly how I feel. Okay. Remember when I said that all marriages are savable? Well, it ain't gonna happen for you guys. So what do you think we should do? Well, as a therapist, I'm not allowed to tell you what to do. But uh, as a human being, <laughs> yeah, I think you should get divorced as soon as possible. <laughs> well, that therapy session went south rather quickly. That was uh, from the movie Bad Moms. That was a scene when the couple goes to seek professional help for their marriage. They go to therapy. Did you hear what the therapist said at the very beginning? She said, every marriage is savable. In other words, it can be saved. You just need two individuals that are willing to work it out. And that's the recipe for success. Two individuals that are willing to work it out. Not just one, but and two. And she concludes at the end by listening to their whole conversation. Now, mind you, let me tell you that I did have to edit that piece because there was some inappropriate uh, language and just some things that were said that uh, I did not want to reproduce on this podcast. So I did chop it up a little bit <laughs> for your sake, um, especially if you're with children right now. And so I chopped it up a bit. You can go back and listen to it. It is quite comical. However, it is quite true of therapeutic sessions, of counseling sessions. You know, there is one thing that I've repeated over and over, and you heard it in the uh, part one, Be By Valentine, part one, I talked about, uh, I didn't use the word savable, but I used the word salvageable. I said marriages are salvageable if there are two elements that are present within it, and that is uh, fondness and admiration. And therefore, the importance of asking a couple at their very first uh, therapy session, asking questions like, do you love him? Do you love her? Uh, do you want to restore your relationship? Do you want to work on this? Where do you see yourself a year from now, three years from now, five years from now? Do you see yourselves together growing old, you know, living life together? Some couples are more vocal and expressive than others. Some are quite quiet, especially if you have two introverts. It's, it's rather hard to get them to speak. So in order to see whether or not there is a high level of fondness and admiration, as I mentioned, the two qualities that we look for that are indicative of a relationship that is salvageable. I have them do this exercise. It's an emotional intelligence exercise. So I'm going to explain it to you right now because I believe that if you are in a relationship and you are struggling, uh, I believe that if you practice this one particular exercise with consistency, that you will, you will see a change in your relationship. Now, let me preface by saying this. This exercise that I'm about to describe to you 
this emotional intelligence exercise, is not one that is uh, only for married couples. This is for relationships in general. If you have a strained relationship with your with your your parents, you know, if you have a strained relationship with your children, with your spouse, uh, I would encourage you to practice this one exercise. It helps reconnect individuals. You know, the, the scripture says that the eyes are the windows to the soul. So this exercise incorporates uh, the use of uh, envisioning or visualizing each other. Okay, this exercise is called, I call it the four minute stare. Of course, I haven't, it's not a, an exercise that I have penned myself. It is one that I have learned and I have done it in large groups actually. Just uh, about a year and a half ago, I did, I spoke at a marriage retreat at uh, the, at South Padre Island and I had about 50 couples practice this exercise at the same time and the reactions that I received that I that I that I saw with my own eyes that I saw in them were quite moving and it was evident that this exercise really works and so here's what you do here's what I have them do so I want you to kind of picture as I narrate what I have these couples do uh, in my office and so what I have them do is I have them pull up two chairs facing each other. The chairs are about four to five feet apart. I have them sit in those chairs as I dim the lights. I have them sit in the chairs close to each other, of course, like I said, about three, four feet apart. And I have them sit up straight, open their palms. Oftentimes when someone is upset, resentful, angry, they will hold a fist they will have a fist and not an open palm. And so it's hard to release stress. It's hard to release anger when your fist is clenched. And so I have them open up their palms. And so have them rest their palms on their lap while looking at each other. And the instruction that I give them is, for the next four minutes, I want you to look into each other's eyes. You may not speak. You can show your emotions. Let them flow. Don't hold back. Just don't speak. Look into each other's eyes. Don't look to the left or to the right, into their foreheads, their mouth. Look into their eyes. We're going to do this for four minutes. Once the four minutes are up, I will let you know, and I will give you further instructions. And so I time them. Of course, I move away, and I look at them from a distance. I look for micro-expressions, changes in their gestures or facial expressions. I look at their shoulders. I look at their heartbeat. I can tell by looking at their necks and seeing sometimes, you know, when they're in a state of anxiety, their hearts will beat faster. Their cortisol is rising. And so I watch for all of those details. Usually what I see is during the first 45 minutes, as of course I'm playing a song in the background, I usually play a song, a very slow song, typically the same song, 
The one that you're hearing right now is actually the one that I play. And, and I, I watch them. And usually it takes about 45 seconds for either one of them, usually the wife, to start crying. A few seconds later, he follows suit. He starts to cry. Soon after that, you start to see giggles. Either she will start giggling or he will. But they go from crying to giggling to smiling. And you can tell how their countenance changes, their facial, facial muscles relax, their shoulders drop, their heartbeats slow down, and there's sometimes even a change of skin tone because of that blood pressure just dropping, because the cortisol in their stress hormone is now dropping and the oxytocin, the love hormone, is rising because they are in a state of peace. Now, why is it? Well, because they're remembering the good times. They started out crying because they realized the state in which they are in. They realized that their relationship is going into a death spiral if they don't do something about it. But then soon after that, they had flashbacks of the time that they met for the first time, their first dance, their first kiss, their first hug. They start to remember, so they go from crying to smiling to giggling to laughing. And then eventually, in the last minute, they go back into crying. They go back into crying because they don't know if they can ever go back to feeling what they felt before. And so when the four minutes are up, I let them know. I have them stand and I have them embrace. The instruction that I give is to the husband, embrace your wife as a father would hold his daughter. Pull her in and let her rest her head on your chest. Hold her tight. Let her feel secure and protected. And I do this for three minutes as I watch them. Why do I do this? Probably asking. Well, the reason that I do it is this is when and where I am able to see if there is fondness and admiration left in them for each other other. 80% of the time, it is there. 20%, there's a strong apprehension. There's a holding back. There's a, there's a stonewalling even during the process of looking at each other and holding back on emotions and not wanting to budge. Oftentimes, it's one that shows all of their, their whole gamut of emotions while the other one just holds fast and doesn't budge. And that's when you know that this couple is soon to go into the death spiral and return no more. And it's very unfortunate to see. If your relationship is struggling right now, or your marriage is struggling, ask yourself these questions about your level of fondness and admiration. Can you easily list three things about your spouse that you most admire? When you are apart from him or her, do you think fondly of your spouse? Do you oftentimes tell your spouse that you love him or her? 
Do you oftentimes touch, hug, or kiss affectionately? Do you know that your spouse respects you? Do you feel loved and cared for in the relationship? Do you feel accepted and liked by your spouse? Does your spouse find you sexy and attractive? Does your spouse turn you on sexually? Is there fire and passion in your relationship? Is romance part of your relationship? Are you proud of your spouse? Does your spouse celebrate your achievements and your accomplishments? Can you easily tell why you married your spouse? If you had to do it all over again, would you do it all over again with the same person? Do you rarely go to sleep without showing love and affection towards each other? When you come into a room, is your spouse glad to see you? Does your spouse appreciate the things that you do in the marriage? Does your spouse generally like your personality? And last question, is your sex life generally satisfying? By now, you already know the answer to whether or not there is a high level of fondness and admiration in your relationship. Last time I mentioned that there are four predictors of divorce or indicators that the relationship is about to go into the death spiral. Dr. John Gottman out of the University of Washington calls them the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And the four horsemen are criticism, which is verbally attacking personality or character, contempt, which is attacking sense of self-worth and uh, with an intent to insult or abuse, and this usually falls into emotional abuse, defensiveness, which is victimizing yourself, to ward off a perceived attack and reverse the blame onto the other person. And the last of the horsemen is stonewalling. And this is simply withdrawing to avoid conflict and convey disapproval, distance, and of course, separation. And so why is it important to know these four horsemen? Well, as I mentioned, they are indicators. And just, uh, just like anything else, you know, what you don't know, you don't know. What you don't know, you can't deal with. What you can't define, you can't defeat. And for this reason, when you are not feeling physically well and you go to a physician, the first thing that they'll do is, of course, interview you, ask you a lot of questions. They try and find some indicators of uh, whether or not this is an emotional issue that you're dealing with. And uh, after that, they will run blood work to look for other indicators to see if there are any deficiencies in your in your chemical makeup. They need to know because what they don't know, they just don't know. And for this reason, I love sharing uh, this with you because when you start to see that these four horsemen are showing up in your relationship, now you know that it is an indicator that your relationship will soon start to decline. It, it shows that your relationship has some, some kind of a deficiency that needs to be dealt with. When you find that you have a vitamin deficiency, let's say that someone is feeling depressed and the doctor sees that uh, the patient hasn't been going out and getting enough sun, getting enough exercise, and on top of that, they have a vitamin D deficiency and therefore have symptoms of depression. And so what does he do? Sends them to the pharmacy to pick up vitamin D and start taking that as a daily supplement. Well, same concept. Once you know what the deficiency is, you can start doing something to lessen the effect that it is having on your relationship. So there are certain antidotes, let's call them antidotes, 
that you can use to lessen the effects or to ward off these four horsemen from your relationship. Let's start with the first one that I mentioned earlier, which is criticism. You see, a complaint focuses on a specific behavior, but criticism is a bit different because it attacks a person's character. So the antidote for criticism is to complain without blame by using a soft or gentle, a gentle startup. Avoid saying you, which can indicate blame, and instead talk about your feelings using I statements and express what you need in a positive way. I statements are, are powerful. You know, you, you think about it. You've got to start to listen to yourself. Now, you're probably thinking, well, what about him or her? What about my spouse? How are they going to know this? They're not even listening to this podcast. Well, you know what? That's not your problem. Let's be, let's be honest. That is not your problem. You want to make sure that you evaluate self and that you do everything in your ability to curve those things that could be negative, could be bringing or generating strife in your relationship. Focus on you right now. So instead of using you, let's use I. In other words, criticism is something like this. This is what it sounds like. You always talk about yourself. Why are you always so selfish? But the antidote would sound something like this. I'm feeling left out of our talk tonight and I need to vent. Can we please talk about my day? You see, oftentimes that's all it takes. It's just a a change in your phraseology. It's a switching of words and, of course, a switching in your intent, and that will produce a completely different outcome. So let's talk about contempt. You see, contempt shows up in statements that come from a position of moral superiority. Some examples of contempt include things like sarcasm, cynicism, name-calling, eye-rolling, sneering, mockery, and a hostile humor. You probably know people that are like this. Couples that convey uh, or that communicate with, with contempt, contemptuous attitudes. Contempt is, is destructive and it's defeating. It is the greatest predictor of divorce. Listen, it is the greatest predictor of divorce and it must be avoided at all costs. Now, the antidote to contempt is to build a culture of appreciation and respect in your relationship. If you regularly express appreciation, gratitude, affection, and respect for your partner, you will eventually create a positive perspective in your relationship that acts as a buffer for negative feelings. The more positive you feel, the less likely that you'll feel or express contempt. So this is what contempt sounds like. You forgot to load the dishwasher again? Ugh, you're so incredibly lazy You are such a procrastinator (laughs) while rolling the eyes. So now what is the antidote? How can I express this in a way that will produce a different outcome? Well, it should sound something like this. I understand that you've been busy lately, but could you please remember to load the dishwasher when I work late? I'd really appreciate it. Doesn't that sound totally different to you? Look, this is what Proverbs 15.1 says. A soft word turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. The third horseman, as I mentioned earlier, is defensiveness. And defensiveness is defined as a self-protection mechanism in the form of a righteous indignation or innocent victimhood in the attempt to ward off a perceived attack. And so many people become defensive when they are being criticized. But the problem is that 
Being defensive never helps, listen, never helps to solve the problem at hand. You see, defensiveness is really a way of blaming your partner. You're saying that the problem, the problem isn't me, it's you. You're the issue. As a result, the problem is not resolved and the conflict escalates. Furthermore, the antidote is to accept full responsibility, even if only for part of the conflict. So listen, defensiveness sounds like this. It's not my fault that we're going to be late. It's your fault. You're always getting dressed at the very last second. Come on. And so what does the antidote sound like? Well, it sounds like this. I don't like being late, but you're right. We don't always have to leave so early. I can be a little more flexible. So let me say this. Conflict, conflict will be present in every single relationship. Actually, conflict will be present in every healthy relationship. And a healthy relationship knows how to manage conflict or resolve conflict. And you know what? This conversation that I just shared with you, the defensiveness and the antidote, it simply shows someone, number one, who's taking full responsibility for their actions, and number two, someone who's willing to compromise. Learning how to compromise, how to meet in the middle, is going to be a game changer in a contemptuous, defensive, critical relationship. And so the last of the horsemen is stonewalling. Stonewalling is when someone completely withdraws from a conflict discussion and no longer responds to their partner. It usually happens when the individual is feeling flooded or emotionally overwhelmed or depleted. So the reaction is to simply shut down, stop talking, disengage. So when couples stonewall, they're usually emotionally depleted. They are under so much pressure that their whole biology shifts. So let me share a little bit, just just a little bit about what happens to your biology when you are under so much stress and pressure. You've probably heard of the hypothalamic reaction or the amygdala or cortisol, perhaps adrenaline, fight or flight responses. So here's, here's what happens. I'm going to try to explain this very easily. And so When we are under a lot of pressure or we feel an imminent threat, well, let's say that you are walking in the forest and you are simply, you know, minding your own business, enjoying the scenery, and all of a sudden you hear noise. You quickly stop, you turn to your right, and up on the hills you see something moving, something that seems to look like a black bear. Then all of a sudden, you see that it is a black bear. And so your body immediately, in a fraction of a second, the amygdala will send a signal down to your adrenal glands, causing you to secrete cortisol or adrenaline, putting you into a fight, flight, or freeze mode. Yes, fight, flight, or freeze. So what does this do to you? It causes your body's muscles to tighten up. You get tunnel vision. Your heart accelerates. Your your palms sweat. And you either run like Flash Gordon (laughs) or you turn around and you fight the black bear. Or you simply freeze and do nothing at all and become his lunch. And so 
That is the reaction. That is how our body is wired to react. Now, it's wired to react this way only when it is in imminent danger, not all the time. So the problem is when you go home and you go into fight, flight, or freeze mode because you know that there is a threat, and the threat is the spouse. The threat is the consistent arguing, the bickering, the fighting. And so you immediately go into this fight or flight. And so when a couple is extremely stressed under a lot of emotional pressure, this is where the stonewalling kicks in. This is, this is what, it, what it sounds like. Look, we've been through this over and over again, and I'm so tired of reminding you I don't want to talk about this again. And the individual storms off. And storms off, not for a few minutes, but simply leaves for days. And I'm not talking about a physical leaving, but I'm talking about an emotional leaving, a mental leaving. They're not there anymore. They simply act as though their partner is invisible, not there. They're disengaged. They're disconnected. They don't talk to them. It's like the whole world keeps, keeps going. Everyone in the household keeps on living except for that one individual. That is stonewalling. Now, what is the antidote? What is the proper way to do this? Well, the first thing is that you need to set very healthy boundaries in your relationship. Like you need to know that whenever you go into an argument or or, or a conversation that escalates into a discussion that escalates into an argument that escalates into a fight, you need to have appropriate boundaries. Now, I'm not going to get into this a whole lot. I would encourage you to go to some of the very first episodes in this podcast. I believe it's called Guard Your Heart, and there's a part one and two that talks about setting appropriate boundaries. I would encourage you to listen to them. But you set a boundary that says something like this. You know, when, of course, when you and your spouse are in, in, in a, state of, uh, a state of peace, you say, look, if we ever get into an argument again that escalates into, you know, a vicious fight, a verbal fight, Let's both agree that either one of us can interrupt the conversation and simply say, you know what, I don't think that this conversation is leading to any, any positive outcomes. I respectfully uh, withdraw from this conversation for at least 45 minutes or to an hour to simply breathe, meditate, pray, go for a walk, and we can reconvene in an hour. It doesn't matter if the other individual says, well, I'm not in agreement. Well, you had already agreed to that boundary. And because you want to guard your heart, you need to do what you said you were going to do. And so you simply respectfully withdraw from the conversation, but, listen, but to reconvene at a later time to discuss while the cortisol, the adrenaline that has caused your heart to pump like crazy until you're able to get all of that back under control because you don't ever want to try and converse or discuss something while you are angry, while your blood is pumping three times faster than it usually is. You want to make sure that you go into a place of, a place of peace. It could be a bedroom, sit in your favorite chair, 
dim the lights, open your palms, put them on your lap, close your eyes, and do some diaphragmatic breathing exercises while visualizing something that brings peace to your heart. And this you do until you lower your cortisol, you increase your oxytocin, and then you can re-engage in that conversation. However, now it will come from a place of peace, perhaps a place of mercy and compassion. You will have more clarity of mind and wisdom in your words. You see, personally, personally, I don't deal with angry people. I don't engage in conversations that will quickly escalate to a point of (laughs) no return. You see, I have this philosophy. Whenever someone calls my office and they want to speak to me, if my secretary tells me that, the individual sounds angry, upset, out of sorts. I usually have them take a message and I return their call. However, I don't return it promptly as they request. They will usually say, have him call me back ASAP. Well, ASAP could be two hours, three hours, or a whole 12 hours later. And why do I do that? Is that out of a place of disrespect? Absolutely not. It's, a place of, it's out of a place of respect for myself <laughs> because I do not want to put myself into a situation that will be an uncomfortable one where I know that the individual's cortisol is already at its highest point. They are ready to fight. And why do I give them hours and hours and hours of time? Well, to think, to recalibrate, to calm themselves down. And you know what? 50% of the time, the individual will say, I really appreciate the fact that you called me back, and I'm so glad that you didn't call me back ASAP. Otherwise, I would have said or done something stupid. And so there you have the four antidotes to the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Look, it all depends on you, whether or not you're going to take what you just learned today and incorporate it into your daily relational skills with your spouse or your children or whomever you're in a relationship with, wherever the struggle is at. Because let me tell you, these antidotes or these horsemen will appear not only in your marriage, they will also appear in your day-to-day relationships. If you want to build long-lasting, blessed relationships, make sure that you listen to your words. Look at yourself in a mirror and look at your actions. Look at your body language. Are you rolling the eyes? Are you turning your back on people? Are you condescending? I mean, as I mentioned, change starts with you. A philosopher once said, everyone wants to change the world, but they're not willing to change themselves. And so change starts with you. Take these antidotes, start to incorporate them into your daily relational skills and see how they produce a very positive outcome. And well, so today is... February the 14th, it's Valentine's Day as I am recording this episode. So it's appropriate to end the episode by reading 1 Corinthians 13, uh, which is the love chapter in the Bible. And this is what it says. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong 
or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all the knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. And it keeps no record of wrongs. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. It always is hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. And so the moral of this episode is go out and love. (laughs) That's the moral of the story, guys. It's that plain and simple. Not really. (laughs) It's not. But take those four antidotes. Take out those four horsemen out of your life. Deal with them and see how things will slowly but surely change. If today's episode has helped you, would you please take a few minutes to leave us a five-star rating and drop us a positive note. Some positive feedback always helps and encourages me to keep pressing on and doing what, what I know that God has called me to do. If you're currently in the need of counseling or coaching or therapy, I'm going to leave my link on the show notes so that way you can easily access it if needed at any point in time. All, all appointments are currently virtual, so no matter where you're at, no matter what the state, city, country, we can always connect. And I would also encourage you to connect with me via Instagram. Uh, give me a follow. I will also leave my link there. If you, if you have a quick question, a comment, you can DM me through Instagram, and I'm quick to reply to that. I'm also always uploading, you know, material that is that is uh, worth uh, looking at, reading, sharing, and uh, hopefully you'll learn and grow from it. So I will see you in about a week or so. Again, I hope that this episode has been profitable to you. The Lord bless you, the Lord keep you, and may his face shine upon you. I love you guys and bless you. Goodbye.